Hi, guys. Welcome to this edition of Productivity and Proverbs 31. You know, the place where I get the opportunity to impart wisdom from my life's journey and also to interview some amazing and incredible women. And today is no exception. Today, we're going to be looking at romance or roommate and a life hack for marriage. And you know, that's an area I do not usually go into because we have three other pillars that we talk about. So in today's episode, you're going to be meeting my new friend, Beatrice Vargas. Show us how to be more than roommates, but grace-filled wives. So I hope you'll grab a beverage, pen in a journal as always, and stick around for the rest of the amazing podcast. Hey friends, welcome to the Productivity and Proverbs 31 podcast. I'm Kathy Lanham, your host, your mentor across the airways, if you will. I'm a mom of five, former teacher and top 2% company leader. Now I'm a coach, a podcaster, and a business strategist. Stick around if you're a Christian mom with some big dreams, a messy bun, and sweatpants. You might feel all the guilt, but you refuse to be a Pinterest perfect mom. You live in your car and reheated coffee is a staple. If chaos is usually rampant and you'd like some practical tips on how to grow a business, grow in your faith, and get some control with an occasional date night thrown in as a bonus, hang around. Because as we grab these few minutes together, I want to help you keep growing in your faith, build a business that lines up with your God-given gifts and talents, and make memories of a life you love. So reheat that coffee, and let's get started. Beatrice Vargas, she is a certified Christian life coach, or as she likes to call it, a wife coach, because she specializes in helping Christian women transform their marriages, even if their husbands are not showing up to participate. She's a mom of two and husband to one, and she also has a podcast, which is how we met. Her podcast is The Gracefield Wife. We'll give you more information about that here in a bit. So Beatrice, I promise that we're going to be looking at how to be more than roommates. So what the heck does that even mean? How do we keep the romance alive if we've got kids and we're busy and we've got all the alls and then maybe a husband who's not going to participate? Yeah. So being the more than roommates, I mean, if we think about what the roommate situation or syndrome sounds like it's what is that that is two people who are basically just living together they're coexisting living in the same house they are certainly um, not having any physical intimacy in a lot of cases they aren't really having any emotional intimacy either and it happens when you get into the stale doldrums of marriage anybody who's been married for a long time knows that that is kind of a normal part of life you know not not everything is going to be all highs and not everything has to be all lows but this roommate thing is it's kind of the stale I want I don't want to say boring but it's really more a, a little bit of the the doldrums and so that's what it means to to be roommates in marriage. And then your question is kind of how do we avoid being roommates in marriage? So how we avoid being roommates in marriage is really going to be about because the the roommate thing is caused by a lack of intimacy and a kind of a lot of the sameness. It's, you know, you hear all the time people's like, well, you got to keep your marriage spicy. It's really more about because in real life, you can't be trying to change your marriage, you know, all the time or, or add new things. That's not even really realistic. But what you want to do is you want to make sure that your husband is 
your best friend, that you even like him. So anyone who has been married for a long time may be able to relate to this where like, yeah, okay, you, you love your husband, you know, you have kids, you do life together, but do you laugh together? Do you enjoy each other's company? Do you look forward to the end of the night when it's time to just snuggle up and maybe watch a movie or even just sit and be in, in each other's presence? It's really about the enjoying to be together. And once that starts to fade, that's when we fall into the roommate syndrome. So what I like to do is help women in figuring out, like if they, they're starting to see this happen, helping them to figure out, okay, wait a minute. Now, what are some things that we can do to change it up? What are some things that we can do to rekindle intimacy? Maybe you stop talking. Maybe you stopped um, at the end of the day, just sharing your, your day with each other, or as a lot of times will happen, maybe we stopped asking him. So because we stopped asking him, he stops telling because men don't talk as much as women and they're over, right? They've like used up their word quota for the day uh, when they start, you know, and, and by the time they get home. And if we're not really engaging them, if, if they don't feel like we really care about what happened during their day, they're just going to shut down. You know, they might turn on the sport, you know, sports or whatever, and then just kind of go do their thing. Maybe they'll help you around the house. Maybe they won't. But that's really where we start to feel this separation, not actual physical separation as in, you know, separation leading to divorce, but just emotional separation, you know, an emotional growing apart. And in my years of marriage, what I have found too, is that when we are starting to feel that separation and that emotional distance, then that's when anger can come in and distrust and jealousy, if you're bent to that. And those are those thoughts that we're supposed to take captive so that we can be like the bride of Christ and we can reflect yeah. him to the world. That's out the window. Yeah. So what do we do? What do you advise? Let's, let's have some practical tips. Let's say you're already in that space. Mm -hmm. How do we begin to rekindle or to stop the progression? Yeah, no, that's a great it's a great question. I get it all the time. Um, I probably nine out of 10 of my DMs from clients or listeners have to do with this question. And the real thing that I actually try to start with is get an understanding for what does their relationship look like right now? So what meaning if you guys are in this place where you're kind of growing, there's, there's some distance growing between you. It's most likely because one or both of you are feeling unloved, unheard, unseen. So what we're going to try to do is make him, your husband, feel loved and heard and seen, right? Because we can't change him, right? So we can't force him to start making us feel loved and, and heard and seen. We, we can't do that. So what we could do is if the gap, um, I know the listeners can't see my hands, but uh, if you, if so now there's this gap between you guys. So if you want to start to decrease the gap between you, you have to start walking towards him because otherwise, how does he know that it's time to start walking towards you? So what we start doing is we start walking towards him by making him feel seen and heard and loved. So one of the things I like to start with is um, if anybody has ever heard about or read the five love languages, that's a great place to start. What is his love language, right? 
So we'll sit there and, and we'll go through what is his love language? Have you tried that? You know, have you, what sorts of things have you done um, to start to fill that piece for him, to start to make him feel loved? Then another thing will be um, when you talk to him, and, and I alluded to this before, is really engaging him in conversation to help him to understand that you care about his day. Now, this might be hard. All men are different. Some men just don't want to talk. But if, I think the, the general idea is helping him to understand that what he wants and, and what is going on for him in his life matters to you. So your word choices matter to you. Even when you apologize, your word choices, they really matter. So I go through a whole um, uh, training even on how to ask what you, you know, how to ask for what you want without him getting defensive or, or without him feeling like you're nagging. And one of the ways we do that is even by looking at his interests, right? So if you look at each other's interests versus taking a position, what does this mean? This means if you are upset that he's always late, instead of saying, oh, you're always late. You're always making me late. This really drives me crazy. That may be how you feel. But what happens is then he will start to feel attacked by you. So if we change our approach and say, hey, babe, it's really important to me to be on time. Or, you know, getting to this event or being at this thing is, is really important to be on time to do there, you know, to do that. How can I help you to get there on time? You see, it's the same thing. You're getting your needs met, right? By, by letting him know what's important to you, but you're doing it in a way that's not attacking. So as we start to, to do this, I think the first thing I would say practically for anyone who feels like, Oh, their husband's become a little bit of a roommate. I would say one, let's look at, is he feeling seen and heard and loved? You may do that just by kind of self-reflecting. You may be in a place where you're not even speaking enough <laughs> to do that. I, you know, a lot of my um, clients are in that place. Like you mentioned, I specialize with work and working with wives who husbands aren't participating at all. That means they're barely even speaking. So if you're fortunate enough to be in a place where your husband and you and your husband do have a good relationship for the most part, and he is speaking, maybe you're feeling disconnected and you're looking to reestablish that connection, then you're going to go to him and you're going to find out because once we, he sees that we're starting to find out that is going to start to create change in him. So that's the first thing is he feeling loved, seen, heard. Number two is taking inventory of how, uh, taking inventory of how we speak to him. How is it that we're communicating our needs? How is it that we're communicating the things that we would like for him to do? Are we attacking him? Are we criticizing him? Are we showing him love, respect, grace? Because usually when there is a disconnect and not saying that it's, it's always the wife's fault, but usually when there is a disconnect, most likely he did something, pissed you off, and now you're upset. And then now you respond in turn, right? Like you respond in the way that you think he deserves or in the way that at that moment, your heart is feeling, which might be angry, bitter, resentful, right? But if we stop ourselves and say, oh, 
I might be feeling this angry, bitter, resentful, that those are the words that are about to come out of my mouth. I'm going to stop myself. So when we take inventory and realize that that's what we're doing, a lot of times we don't realize it. So when we take inventory and realize that's what we're doing, that's when we can go, oh, okay, let me choose differently. How am I being heard? If this were said to me, uh-huh. how am I being heard? And there's a, there's a, a presupposition that we've laid down here that we haven't discussed yet, but really we don't ever change our husbands. And that can be the whole wrong intent. Instead, to be a grace-fueled wife, we have to really start that with ourselves. Yes, a hundred percent. Yeah. Because so biggest thing really that I teach is because that's one of the number one questions I get. How do I get my husband to blank? My husband won't change, you know, blank. What do I do about my husband? So when we're in a place of feeling anger, resentment, you know, emotional distance from our husband, we are automatically thinking it's his fault. But if we understand that there is nothing that we can physically do to change him and we come to terms with that fact, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, well then what can I do to change myself? Now you have to think of it this way. God himself gave us free will, right? So if God himself isn't going to be the one to force anybody to do anything, what makes us think that we can, we can't. So once we figure out that, okay, I can change myself. And then what can I start doing to influence him rather than change him? All of a sudden the mindset shifts. It makes for a completely different conversation because now we're not trying to manipulate him. We're not trying to do one thing. So we get a different result. We are just treating him with love, respect, grace. And then as a byproduct of that comes the change in him. It's almost like, for example, if you're trying to lose weight and you're like, well, I'm going to, you know, I want to lose weight. So I'm going to stop eating. Well, that's not necessarily the best way to do it, right? It's unhealthy. It's whatever. But if you say, I'm going to lose weight, so I'm going to change my behavior and I'm going to start eating healthy vegetables, this, that, and the other, then your body gets healthier. And as a a byproduct, you lose weight. So same thing in our marriages, instead of saying, well, I'm going to tell him some blue, he's, I'm blue in the face. What do you need to do to make me happy? How's that going to work out for you? It's going to make your marriage unhealthy create resentment, create anger versus if you change yourself, if we change ourselves, if we change our attitudes, the way we approach him, the way we speak to him, even our language, he starts to say, wow, oh, okay. Well, who is this person? You know, I've had uh, clients message me and say, my husband says he doesn't even recognize me, you know, in a good way, right? (laughs) That their husband is like, I'm just, my husband is just waiting for uh, me to get angry again, because they've done so much of the self-work on themselves. And then once, if your husband's a good man and he truly loves you, and, and I'm assuming that's the case for our listeners here, then that will soften in his heart in a way that nothing else will because he loves you and he loves your family and he just wants to feel loved and seen and heard and important. Right. And so when we start to give him those very basic human needs, all of a sudden, then 
he starts kind of like melt for us, you know, and he wants to do all the things for us in return. That makes sense. It does. And I was given a piece of advice years ago. If you're at a place so hard in your own personal heart, make a list every night before you go to bed. Don't go to bed angry. Of course, that's scriptural, but make a list of 10 things you appreciate about your husband. And if you cannot dredge up one thing, then remember why you started to go out with or what attracted you to him at first. Mm -hmm. If another woman was looking at your husband, what would she appreciate? (laughs) Write those down. And you do that every night. And if it's a, if it's a really dry season, then you do it for 30 days, but do it until you find your heart, your own heart starting to soften. And you can then ask the Lord to look at what it is that you're doing. That's causing an issue. Then you will affect change. And then two, you don't do it so that you're going to necessarily change your husband, but you're going to do it so that you can be more of the woman we see in first Peter. And we are going to develop the fruit of the spirit in our own life. If we're a Christian, that's given. Right. right, right, Patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Beatrice, as we kind of wrap this up, because you've just given some great tips, what would be your advice if you're really in that place where I'm just ready to quit? I'm done. I've tried everything. I've done everything. I'm done. You know, that is a, that's a very difficult place to be. It's a very difficult question. I also take that question very seriously because of the nature of my work. And I, because I was there, right? And and I was in a place where, um, if I can just share it briefly, the reason why I can empathize with women, with my clients, with my listeners on such a deep level is because I was in a place where my husband was an unbeliever. I was a believer. We both, I came to the Lord after we got married. Like I was not raised in church, if you will. And I was being that woman who was angry, bitter. I didn't even realize it. I thought I was being the perfect wife. Like I thought I was like doing all the things I should be doing. And my husband was not (laughs) understanding it. And he was not perfect by any means, but at some point in our marriage, he walked out on me for nine months. We were separated. And I was in this place of really feeling like literally crying on a cold basement floor as I came home from a business trip to an empty apartment and not knowing what to do. So having come from that place, when someone tells me I can't do it anymore, I don't just say, well, yes, you can, you know, God hates divorce. It's easy to say that. So I try to be very careful because at the same time, I am a believer. And when I went for counsel, my pastors told me, well, he's an unbeliever and he left you. So biblically, you are free. You you haven't done anything wrong. Biblically, you're free. And it was like, oh, um, but I don't want my marriage to end, right? It was a real hard place for me. So that's why I'm very careful when it comes to that question. What I do tell women is, first we look for red flags, right? Is your husband a good man? Or are there things that he's, you know, maybe he's narcissistic or abusive in some way, controlling mentally, verbally, certainly physically, any, anything like that, we kind of, you know, make sure. Cause if that's the case, then please get out, get yourself safe. And you have to make the decision that's best for you. 
But a lot of times what will happen when a woman's like, I can't do it anymore. Deep down, they really do want the marriage to work. At least that's what I find. What I find is that if, if they are coming to me or anyone for help, feeling like, I don't know what to do. He hasn't changed. He's, you know, there's no love in our marriage. I give up. The fact that you are going to someone and trying to seek counsel from someone shows that in reality, you don't want to give up. You do want to make it work, even just a little bit. And if your husband is a good man and there is some, you know, any like glimmer of hope on that side, and I have all tons of episodes on that as well. Like if there is a glimmer of hope on that side, then maybe it's not, you know, maybe we take a look at the things that you have tried, you know, cause I've heard, oh, we've done all the things we've went to therapy. We've went to counseling. We've done this. We've done that. He doesn't want to try anymore. I give up. And that's, that's where I'm like, okay, have you tried this? Have you, you know, because if you have that's, that's different, but a lot of times I'll find that they're like, well, not really. Well, I meant to, you know, I kept trying to answer him in a different way, but I got so angry. I just blew up at him. And then we start to really uncover. And then it's like, okay, so we haven't really consistently tried it. That's really kind of what I look for. So that's why I struggle to answer this as a general answer for everybody, because it's such an intimate question. No, I don't, no one gets into a marriage thinking that the marriage is going to fail. No one really wants their marriage to fail. (laughs) The cost of divorce is far higher than the cost of remaining married. So as long as you're in a marriage where you're safe, you're not being abused, you know, and really it's just about learning to love each other better. I mean, that's God's commandment, right? It's for us to love each other and love each other better. So I would say, um, really, if you're feeling like you're at your wits end, um, I would say to really take some personal inventory of that. Are you really at your, your wits end, or are you just so frustrated that you don't know what to do anymore? Cause there, that's a different answer. You know, when we have kids, when we're tired, when we're frustrated and angry, it all comes in. And Satan loves nothing more than to just mm-hmm. stir that pot and say, you deserve more. Isn't that a good one? Oh, you deserve more. Uh-huh. You deserve to be happy. God doesn't want you to live like this. Oh, yeah. You know, I think that was more what Satan said to Eve in the garden than what yeah. God said to his followers. So yeah. Jesus was pretty clear about we're going to have hard times. Well, this has just been a wonderful beginning of a conversation that I think we could just go on and on and on. And so, of course, like you just said, Beatrice, you have multiple episodes on your own podcast. So where can my listeners connect with you? How can they find out more? Where can they go to do like I've been doing and binge on your episodes? Sure. Uh, you can find me at The Grace Fields Wife. So the podcast is The Grace Fields Wife. Facebook and Instagram, you can also find me, The Grace Fields Wife, or even the website is thegracefieldswife.com. That'll take you to my name, Beatrice dot, or BeatriceVargas.com. But because my name is spelled with a Z, not a C-E, I just say The Grace Fields Wife to make it easier. But those are all the places you can find me. And what I do want to tell listeners is that even though my a lot of the the topics that I talk about are heavy. I'm sure you have a lot of listeners who are not in the place of their marriage on the verge of separation. I can tell you that I have many, many listeners who also don't have marriages who are on the verge of separation, but the topics that I talk about apply 
to anyone. They're basically universal. They, you know, a lot of the people who end up reaching out to me end up being, you know, people who are kind of at their, their wits end, but they are all universal. You know, we talk about finances, we talk about, you know, him helping around the house, asking him to do things. How do, how are we building intimacy in one way or another, you know, questions about, um, is he even attracted to me anymore? Or I'm not attracted to him anymore. Things that really, these topics, I think, no, whether you've been married a year or 20 years, they are relevant for sure. Absolutely. Well, I can't tell you thank you enough for joining me today, for sharing and pouring into my audience. Thank you so much. What a blessing. And I'll be sure to include all of this on the show notes, guys. Sure. So make sure that you check that if you um, missed any of Beatrice's info. Of course, the Grace Fueled, not Grace Field, Grace Fueled Wife is where you can find her all across the board. So thank you again, Beatrice. What a blessing. Thank you. And then until next time, go be a blessing to others. Because when you're blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Hey guys, real quick. I hope this episode was a blessing to you and that you learned a nugget of truth, got a laugh, or had something that you can share. It would be such a blessing to me if you would go over to iTunes and leave me both a starred and a written review. I would love to be able to read some of those reviews online and that pours into my ministry and my work so much. In addition, if you want some of our free things, that's found over at kathylanham.com. I'd love to connect on social media. DM me at at kathylanham. That's my handle over on Instagram. So until next time, go be a blessing to others because when you're a blessing to others, you can't help but be blessed yourself. Take care. Take care.